0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Well, good morning, good morning and welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is Ab Bishop and I'm standing in for Pam for the next three weeks. Now, my favourite part of this show is uh, getting to catch up with um, experts in their field, i.e. pick their brains, um, of of heaps of horticultural experts, so um, today is no exception, and joining me in the studio is uh, Karen Sutherland from Edible Eden Design, and Evan Gorky from Oco Landscape, so welcome guys.
2: You, You checked in the morning, you checked... Is it ochre or ochre? Okay. And then what you is say ochre. Oh, did you do it again?
1: Oh, you yeah. <laughs> know I, I do it every time. i, I at everything for a second. I've actually <laughs> written it down on a piece of paper. <laughs> and last night I was googling it on YouTube, saying that is it ochre or ochre? It's like
2: clay <coughs> colour, you know. The, the Aboriginals would paint on their faces. You know and what? I so oh, think so you.
3: you know what she's. Um, I think she's um, trying to do like an extra drawing attention to your name. I know. Um, it must oh, be which I'm which is good. well done. See what you, mean?
4: Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's
1: it's I'm Good sorry. morning. By the way, I'm sorry. It's going to happen every time. Because <laughs> now it's it's all over. Now, I'm like, damn it. Now I know I said it wrong last time. But did I say oak or oka? actually? I
3: have. Um, I'm not going to mention the lady's name in case she's listening. But there's a client, and I've known. I had two clients with the same unusual name. Actually, she won't be listening. Nerida and Nerida And I spend the whole time When I see her for The first time for a while Thinking Oh is she the Nerida Or the Nerida And I have to wait For her or her husband To say her name And it's so embarrassing Because she's She's absolutely beautiful And you know I, I wouldn't wish to um, But yes So there you go AV And I think I think to myself Beforehand I've got it I've got it And then I get in there And start talking and to I've her I've lost think, it I can't yeah, remember I've lost <laughs> it <laughs> I'll just call you N From Just, just to make you feel better <laughs> so Everyone from O Landscape Design <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so
3: you're not the only one, are <laughs> yeah, so no. you
2: just
1: did it to complicate
2: things. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So how is
1: everyone? Yeah, yeah. very We're well. We're talking Thank about you. how dark it was now when we get
2: up. Well, well, it is when you're trying to find plants to bring into the <laughs> um, into the studio. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise how dark it was. Oh, oh see?
3: I'm not sure what's going on. it's this, oh, Sorry. I finally need to put these down. They're a little loud this morning. Oh. I think I'll just use this. Yeah, this is easier. Um,
2: so yeah, it was really <clears> dark.
3: The lovely coming here. That wasn't oh, dark getting here. It was no, gorgeous no, to be beautiful. able to come in the light. Yeah, yeah and yeah. beautiful moon. Oh, you come from sky. a lot further. That's
4: why.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. What time yeah, did
1: you leave home,
2: Emma? Um, I was a little bit late. I think it was um, 6:38 when mm. I got in the car. So it wasn't okay. too bad. Z- so if the sun was to
3: come up just before, just after that, because I I got in the car. You know, this is very scintillating conversation, isn't it? But, you know, 10 to, 10 to 7, so, I mean, not that much longer. And I was thinking, oh, it's so lovely and light.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, mm. beautiful, it's a beautiful time of year, isn't it?
3: It is, yeah, yeah. It's been lovely. And finally,
1: we get a bit of crispness in the mornings. Mm, mm, it mm. finally came in, so mm, that's, mm. Yeah. Kind of nice.
3: And did I got five mil of rain. What did everyone else get? Uh, Yeah, about that. Yeah, Yeah. which is not bad. Yeah, it was a bit of a guess because I'd forgotten to empty the rain. Yeah, me too. And I haven't even
2: looked. I was was like, oh, we've
1: got 20 mil of rain. I'm like,
3: "Mm, no. No, no. I wish. Don't rain that There's still things looking dry in my garden, but on the other hand, some things are looking better, so I don't know about anyone else's. Yeah, Mm.
2: no, it's, it's, it's helped. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, it Better was than just nothing. so, even, even oh, our... Uh, so dry. Our crape, we have crepe myrtles along the driveway, which are looking fabulous at this time of year. But um, they really struggled in the last couple of months. You know you know really what's interesting?
3: Like Someone had asked me on um, another Talkback show about, they'd rung in about crepe myrtles. Why isn't my crepe myrtle flowering? And I was thinking, oh, you know crape myrtles are so tough. Another caller rang in afterwards and said that they had, that they had been so dry, their crape myrtles wasn't flowering, they watered it, they gave special attention to its watering a bit earlier when it had time to break out into flower, mm-hmm. and suddenly it broke into flower. So in other words, that's how dry it is. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, that's, um, this is what I was going to um, not mean to jump in here, but this this is the normal size of my fajoas, I'll make it a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. which is this is just fitting into my hand. It's yep, huge. Yep. And these tiny little things which are smaller than the smallest egg, what would you describe that as the like size ball? of? Mm. Really, really tiny. And that's what I'm getting this year. And it's the smallest Fajoa harvest I've ever had. I've always said to people, Oh no, it's something that you get fruit from no matter how dry it is. Well, it proved me wrong this year. Must have been just at the wrong time still but got fruit but just hard, no the but hardly the any. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, like and and I've looked around other people's when I'm walking past people's trees and this is a really, really bad year for the tough, um, tough things like Fajoas. So yeah. anyway, inter- now, it is interesting. do you water anything in the garden? Um, well, I don't usually water the fajoas,, yeah. And I would normally, of five espalier or tall hedgy plants, get 10 kilos and I've got a big old tree in the back garden to get another 10 kilos. I'd be lucky to get a couple of kilos out of the whole lot mm. this year, so about a tenth yeah, of the harvest.
2: Interesting. Yeah, yeah our plum yeah. Um, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't fruit barely at all this year. I think maybe it was very wet in the, in the spring. It was too wet too there early. there were enough yeah. insects yes. around. Oh. About. That's the only thing I can think of as to why possibly. it didn't. And yeah. even our apples are not haven't been as privileged. It wasn't a good year for apples. Hasn't No, no. they just they just didn't set as much yeah. fruit. People um, have told me it
3: wasn't a good year for apricots. I'm yep. in between apricot trees because <laughs> I had a really old one I had to take out, but people have said they had a bad apricot year. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, it was a funny year. It it Mm -hmm. has been a really tricky year for fruit trees
4: and, and so
2: on.
1: I think we sort of kept expecting it to rain. And it just did.
2: I know, did. I know. Yeah, and
3: yeah. I kind of thought to myself, oh, is it really that dry? And then I was, you know, doing a bit of a U-turn in my street and realised that the neighbours' nature strips were just parched. And, of course, then when you go up to the country, it's just appalling up there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, and, really and dry. And you,
1: you've driven through from New South Wales. I have
3: a <laughs> lot of driving. And in fact, i um, encountered a bit of wildlife that is moving and shifting around, the kangaroos, uh, and so many people. I heard a kangaroo the other day uh, for the first time, which was quite unpleasant for myself and the kangaroo. But... Um, um, people were telling me that, oh, yes, so all these friends of mine, are hit, you know, people driving in and out of the outer suburbs of Melbourne on the northern and western sides, you know, Riddles Creek and you know, going mm-hmm. out all those ways, um, friends have said, oh, no, they're hitting kangaroos all the time because they're coming in, they're moving in closer to the roads to look for any kind of, I suppose, where the road surface, you know. Where the water run runs. Off, runs a through, bit of water, yeah. yeah, there's yeah there's and, so, grass, and that's grass, grass, what happened, that was yep. where I hit my kangaroos, so... Yeah, they're um, poor old roos. They're they're um, moving around looking for food. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, when I walked past your car this morning, I thought, oh, <laughs> what, Karen's what Karen's heck? just going for authenticity of you know sort of organic garden. <laughs> she's holding holding garden twine. Yeah, I know. With hay band, yeah, i got the hay bale out. I'll <laughs> use that tied up. Yeah, it was getting
3: somewhere hay. very late at night and then <laughs> staying at like an Airbnb place and saying to the lady there, Have you got any any baling twine by any chance? So, and she said, yes, I've just done a lot of gardening today today by chance. So yeah. So,
1: what are you holding together, holding the door on? Uh, <laughs>
3: no, no, luckily uh, it actually wasn't as bad as that. It was bits of the bumper bar and I had to, actually, it was a very gardening-based gardening, um, gardening um, car surgery because I had to cut the, like, the, big, the fairing that goes around the wheel, that's like the mud guardy bit. Um, I had to cut that off with secateurs <laughs> because it <that> was the <laughs> best thing I had. <laughs> Poor secateurs. So, yeah, secateurs <laughs> in the
4: dark because
3: oh. uh, uh, it was just flapping and hanging on the wheel and, and then tie the rest of it up with hay, hay, hay twine, baling twine, uh-huh. so that it held together. And now I'm too too busy um, with things to do work, so I'm thinking, like, oh, well, I'll just have to stay that way for a while. But yeah, it does you sort of drive along and you see people looking and kind of looking alarmed at your car and you think, oh, that's right, it's got to be a bit chunky. Missing. yeah, <laughs> anyway. yeah. And, no it, and it
1: is with the whole animals moving around it 's I mean where we are there 's animals anywhere um, at any time, pretty much, but uh, yeah, this morning they were all up. Um, the sides of a particular road that mm, I go up, and mm. and interestingly, like when, when when the roos are feeding, they don't really take much notice of you. It's when they, if they get a startle get or something startle, that's yeah, a problem. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I just turn the lights down low and move past slowly, mm, and they kind of mm. like, oh, what's this thing disturbing us? But
3: yeah, well, yeah. I made, them, made well, it was a long story. Ended up driving at night. Don't like driving at night, country roads yeah. for that reason. But yeah. this is really what's happened. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and I I think. Um, Tasmania's got the worst record oh, in Australia. I think it's something like an animal gets killed every 31 minutes in It's in it's Tassie. I don't know whether it's to
3: do with the just the sheer weight of numbers of animals but yeah when I go and to visit a friend's mum on Bruny Island you can go down a, a particular road to a beach in the daylight and then you go back you drive down there the next day it might only be a 10 15 minute drive go drive down again to go for a walk and there's just animals everywhere yeah. dead on the side of the road yeah. and you think well, there's hardly anyone here. How can this happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, so, and also yeah, it's amazing. When the
1: animals are moving yeah. around, like when the, you know, the young are born in spring, then come summer, they start moving around into their own territory, and that mm. coincides with the holiday season. More people on the roads mm. who aren't mm. really aware of the amount of animals and when they're moving around. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's they're, got, they're there's a lot of tourists down there, and, so that's yeah, probably part of it. And mm. I think you know the, the Tasmanian unaware. devils, for example, are really um, suffering from the amount of roadkill, and really? they've, set, they've mm. set up a program down there f- to try and protect them and and educate the public to slow down. That's
3: so, probably got to be the best way, because yeah. I mean you, you can only put there's only a certain amount of redirection of pathways. Across, for rum. what are they? The um, are they the sugar glider? Oh, which, which oh, like really the hi- ropes and everything. <coughs> the ropes and things, yeah, yeah Really yeah. high yeah. ones, but there's hardly any of those. Yeah, that's and, right.
1: And and really, they're not effective for, for um well, and for ground. Yeah, and pressure. you see,
3: there's some yeah. little tunnely things around the place, but you, you hardly ever see them. So yeah. really, like you say, the best thing's got to be. Education. Education, yeah, yeah and,
1: and slow down in particular areas. I mean, because there are areas that fauna like to cross. Mm, mm, um, mm. And, I mean, we've got a few spots in, in our part of the world where um, there's often animals, and if they're going to mm. cross, they'll cross there, and you just know to slow down. Locals know, but, uh, yeah, people, visitors don't know. No, so no. I think that's, um, yeah, pretty important to get that message out. But, um, yeah, it really is a shame. Um, but when I heard the figures, I was like, whoa, that's just insane. Uh, I visited recently, and there was just roadkill from here to kingdom come. Mm, mm. And it's so sad because, you know, a lot of them are pattermelons. I think the pattermelons and um, the brushies are the two most common ones to run over. And and I think some of the... uh, um, locals think oh well it just shows that the populations are high yeah. <laughs> which is and, and they see it as a natural culling program which is really mm. quite distressing in a yeah, way yeah and I think when you get used to seeing it all the time you have that certain ambivalence towards it mm. but, uh, it's
3: funny actually because I mean we've accepted driving on our on our inner city roads at 50, you know, very much lower speeds mm. and yet we, and that's to, that's for people's safety, but in another way, we, I don't know how people would react if, if suddenly there were big flashing signs at, at spots where animals are prone to pass, or at dusk. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and you know, the, the flashing lights come on to say, slow down, animals are moving through this area at this time of day. I mean, you couldn't guarantee that they would be. But,
1: yeah.
3: I mean, for all the times I've driven past schools at a really slow speed, there's never been a child run out either. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But the signs are still there, and it's mm-hmm. been a really big program of reducing people's speeds around schools and also on, just on inner-city roads, you know, so much so, so, many times we're down to 50, even on really major roads. Rather than what we accepted at 60. So yeah.
1: it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because if <coughs> you're out in the country on a road where you're, you know, legally allowed to do 80 or even mm, 100, mm. Well, you're not going to slow down to 40 for three hours. Mm, mm. It's, yeah, it's it's mm. it, and I think it it, it is very really, It does. It gets up in the too hard basket. What do what do we do? What do councils do? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a tricky situation. Mm. So yes, well, I suppose I should get to some community announcements. So, did you want to go first? Karen? Actually, I, I could uh,
3: tie into the uh, wildlife <laughs> 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 yeah. with the um,
1: <laughs> yes, yes, the Mulla
3: Mulla festival. So. This is the last day, and this is an interesting festival in that it's gone over two weekends, mm-hmm. so it gives people the chance to hear about it and then think, "Oh, I really want to go to that, but I'm busy this weekend." Well, it's very annoying. it's always
1: on when I'm hosting for Pam. So like, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, there are
3: some a, afternoon. There ones are some afternoon. I was just yeah. going to say, <laughs> Yeah. So, so it's in the um, the Mullum Mullum Creek Valley, which is um, shared by the Maroonda. Whitehorse and Manningham City Councils. So, of course, you know these are these large amalgamated councils we have now. So, it's the festival is set up to teach people about the biodiversity and cultural heritage of the Mullum Mullum Valley. So, there's a whole lot of walks in the festival and this morning's walk at 8.30, so you've got time to get there very quickly if you live <laughs> out there. <coughs> so, this is part two of walking the whole Mullum Mullum Valley and I'll leave you to actually look through this uh, on the um, on the website, which is, oopsie, the lost it temporarily. The oh, I think I've moved it around too much. Oh, uh, yes. No? Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. Um, all the Ws, mullum, mullum, Festival.org.au. And, of course, you'll also find it on Facebook. So today's walk is at eight th- There's a walk at 8.30, followed by walks at 9 a.m., Birds of the Mullum Valley. 10 to 12, there's a children's activity, a nature play activity. Oh, with Nigel Philpot. I know Nigel. Uh, 1 p.m., there's the six seasons of the Yarra Valley. And so this is inspired by Aboriginal knowledge of the seasons. And a former ranger, Glenn, convened the Middle Yarra Timelines Committee, which produced the Middle Yarra Six Seasons Calendar based on naturalist observations of the local bushlands. So it sounds like it's a bit of an indigenous and non-indigenous mm. comi- um Amalgamation of of this kind of idea of seasonality, yep. so really interesting. 3 p.m. Listening to the wild. 4:30 p.m. Walk and talk. Darcy Duggan, naturalist and botanist, talking about bushland management. And for, oh, there's even more talks. 4:30 p.m. Invertebrates. Angelica Cameron. Ah. Oh. I do not uh, Entomologist. Oh, lovely. Yeah, she um, actually helped with extensively with the tomato book. with the oh, She, helped edit the, she ha- edited the pest, season for, pest section for me. Yep. And also Dr. Paul Horn. And so um, they are of, um, from IPM Technologies, extremely knowledgeable people. So really, and really, um, I haven't actually met him, but she's, she's a fantastic presenter as yep. well, has been very knowledgeable. And 6 p.m., finishing up with frogs, frogs of Melbourne's northeast, autumn frogs, Craig Cleland. So you can really... Um, Learn quite a lot today.
1: Fantastic. Any other that you Any, Oh, you'd like to hear about the other
3: one yep. too? So uh, heading down the other direction to the Mornington Peninsula, there's large established trees in autumn. The perfect time to see them is in autumn, to see the autumn colour. So this garden has uh, – it's an open garden. It has oaks, maples, birches and beeches. And you can find out about it on the Open Gardens Victoria website and print out your notes there. And the garden's name is Aikenfield. And the address is 237 Barkers Road, Main Ridge, and it's on from 10am to 4.30pm today, $10 entry price, but of course students are only 5 and under 18s are free. There's a crabapple walk, well that presumably will have some beautiful autumn colour as well, a knot garden, and it's actually a 1.2 hectare garden. With magnificent stone steps and other features So it's, that's well worth visiting And a beautiful sunny day today So a, night, a lovely day to take good photos of autumn colour
1: Absolutely Alright, um, I've got a couple of uh, Royal Horticultural Society um, announcements uh, So today the Chrysanthemum Society of Victoria Has got its annual exhibition This is at Burwood Heights Uniting Church Hall Corner of Burwood Highway and Blackburn Road in Burwood Uh, It's from 12 o'clock till 4 o'clock. Entry is $4. Um, Plants will be for sale and the presentation of the awards and trophies will be today at 3 p.m. Uh, so come along and see chrysanthemums as big as soccer balls. Uh, so that sounds um, yeah, wow. like a lot of fun. Here. <laughs> um, oh, some of the soccer balls is quite large. Are just I was only half there. listening, and they're yeah. like, oh, "What?" what? <laughs> they sound like dahlias. <laughs> yeah.
3: are you sure they're not just dahlias in disguise? Maybe dahlias with sunglasses <laughs> <wouldn't>, on. <laughs> I wouldn't be the person to ask.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, but really, I mean, some of them are just insane, aren't they? They're just mm, yeah, mm. It's
3: just quite show, f- show flowers. You're a bit like show dogs, really, aren't they?
1: <laughs> absolutely, but yeah, I don't absolutely. mean that in a bad way. No, no, no. I mean, I, yeah. re- I saw Best in
3: Show. It was a great movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I wonder if there's a similar kind of dynamic in the in the. Um, I think you need a Best Clowers. in Show yeah, um, movie for plants. Yeah, yeah it'd be yeah. excellent. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> We'd right. enjoy it anyway. <laughs> um, so May the 12th, there's the annual uh, the Australian Plant Society Melton and Bacchus Marsh Group has got a, an Australian native plant sale. This is in the car park at the St. Andrew's Uniting Church, uh, Gisborne Road, Bacchus Marsh. Sale of plants including grafted eromophilus, um, specialty plants, uh, plants suitable for the local habitat, uh, non-grafted and plants grafted as standards. Um, the group propagates and sells multiple species of hakea, some common and many rare, and plant sizes range from uh, they're grown in forestry tubes to 12-inch pots, and only Australian natives are available for purchase. Coffee, tea, drinks and light snacks are available. So that's... Can't be uh, easy as to
3: well. graft aromophilus, I'd have to say. No. Just saying. Yes,
1: absolutely. Tricky. You're tricky, very tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this week um, there's a series of talks at the uh, Ripon Lee Estate um, as part of their annual heritage festival, which is organised and run by the National Trust. So, on Wednesday, uh, there are three talks and two of the talks, we've got three double passes to give away. So, if you're interested in going along to one of the two talks, um, you can call Doug on 94190155. So, I've got uh, three double passes for two of the talks and uh, the first talk... Um, So they're all on this Wednesday, the 9th of May. First talk at 11am is Dr. Anne Vale, and the talk goes for one hour, and it's Australian Garden Designers (coughs) in the 21st Century. Anne is a garden garden historian, writer, photographer and public speaker and she'll be discussing her thoughts and views on the philosophy of garden designers and the impact that they've had. So that sounds terrific. Um, So there's three double passes to give away to Anne's talk which goes from 11 to 12. Um, Then at, uh, it sounds like you can have a whole day at Ripon At uh, 12 to 12.45 there's a guided garden tour which is free. And then at uh, 2 to 3 p.m., our favourite king of the trees, Dr Gregory Moore, um, (laughs) will be talking about heritage trees linking the past, present and Mm. future. And Greg discusses his interest in arboriculture centred on understanding how trees cope with their environment and benefit urban spaces. What did
3: they say? I had to interrupt you there and say I remember learning at Burnley years ago. I'm not sure which lecturer told us this, but it was something about trees. Ex- trees um, survive in spite of what. It might have actually been in spite sp- of us, Alex Shigo in spite of what we do to them. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not that they because th- people, uh. people will argue, oh, but we cut those roots in that landscaping and it didn't make any difference to that tree. It's like, yeah, well, just because it's still surviving. No thanks to you, you know, <laughs> and
1: it doesn't mean that you haven't reduced <clears throat> its lifespan. That's what I
3: mean, yeah, because well, of course they take years to die yeah, yeah, they you know, to
1: show the effects of
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it can be yeah. five, ten years. I've witnessed yeah, that on exactly. a few occasions mm. where um, people can be really cocky about it. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah worry absolutely. About it. Yeah, you know. walk away. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a Appalling. school, there was a quite a big liquid amber, and, uh, and so unbeknownst to me, they decided to put rubber soft fall around the play equipment, which meant a concrete slab, Mm. which took up probably about a third of the um, sort of root zone around the canopy, um, the tree protection zone, as it's called. Um, And that tree was fine Mm. for about five years, and Mm. then it started to go into decline. Now, that would have been a a 60-year-old tree. Mm, And, And then over the preceding three years... It just slowly died bit by bit mm. by bit, and then it was... You it, it can't replace go.
3: a 60-year-old tree mm. overnight. No, it? it's no, gonna no take that's years. right. And, um, 60. Yeah, a <laughs> tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, <thought of> that. <laughs>
2: I know another situation where um, a very tall indigenous eucalypt, a messmate, um, had a lot of soil put around it, not directly around it, mm. but... Um,
3: That's really common, isn't it, that people yeah. love to build up the level yeah. of the soil? Yeah, and, and
2: like, so ah. it really took up a lot of its protection zone. took 10 years.
4: Mm. Very big tree, it.
2: and it's now dead. It started mm. dying last year, mm. and, uh, and and it's now dead. Even though it still had a lot of natural ground around it, mm. But just that further out, so it, t- it took that long for the tree to, I guess, struggle along, use its reserves, mm, try mm. and get its feeder roots up into the, mm. into the top areas, yep. which is where it's all feeding. You know, yeah, It might only yeah. be in the top 100. 100 mil yeah so sad. 150 mil, mm, yeah. and then eventually it says, no, nah, I, I can't do it yeah, mm, and mm, gives up the ghost. Mm, so, mm. so yeah, that that thing, mm, it is an mm. annoying uh, thing that, that people say because... Yeah. Um, the,
3: the it's very th- ignorant, I suppose. Yeah,
4: mm.
2: and, and just don't know. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just don't know. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like blaming trees for uh, cracking houses mm, or getting mm, into sewer mm. pipes as well. That annoys me so much mm, because, mm. you know, it, it's not that... It's not the fault of the trees.
3: Mm. It's almost like they're expected just to stay in this little tiny thing.
2: Don't go anywhere. Don't drop any leaves. Yeah. Don't. Well,
3: it's the same with regular, you isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, we really like
1: you, but possums do not eat my plants and yeah. just stay over there and yeah. don't. Uh,
2: yes.
3: Kangaroos don't cross the road. That's you know,
2: right, like yeah. whatever. As, as, long yeah. as, as long
1: as, as long as we're not disturbed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's looking for blame, but with houses.
2: So yesterday. Um, I was, I was actually on my little, my little Mighty Mouse digger, um, dig, digging, <laughs> digging out. Do you ears? No, no, behind Sonia's, yeah. Behind yeah. Sonia's uh, optometry practice, we're, we're, we're sort of re- a redoing, yeah. <laughs> re- redoing a house um, that she can move her vision therapy staff into. And so I was there just taking out an old patio, an old concrete patio, and the house is very cracked. It's built in what would have been a wetland. This, this area this of Barrick. This your house you're talking about? No, no oh, it's sorry. a house behind Sonia's practice oh, right. mm-hmm. oh. in, in Berwick. Um So it, w- it was a swampy area apparently, so it was never built on until the 60s. So the house that we have is very similar to many of the other houses in the street. Same style, you know, that orange brick. Mm. In fact, if you look from Google Earth, they even have the same footprint, many of them. Mm. And uh, so the house that we have, it's very cracked. Mm. Incredibly cracked.
3: I think you're the only one there. And
2: no, no, you go around many of the others, including Mm. the neighbouring one, the neighbour on both sides. They're Mm. in perfect condition. Oh really? They have the same amount of trees around them. They, you Mm. know, which is not that many. Mm. Um, But I was standing there with builder a few weeks ago, and I was saying, oh, you know, I don't know whether we ought to deal with those cracks or just leave it. You know, he said, oh, it's the trees. It's the trees. I said, well, it's, Mm. it's, you know, is it really the trees? So yesterday when I was digging this section out. Uh, which has been under concrete patio maybe for 40 years. Mm. The ground was very wet up until the eave line. Mm. So we're talking 600 down because it was a raised patio. So, but under the eave line, it was dry as chips. There were no roots in there to make it dry. Mm-hmm. It's just under the eaves.
3: Mm-hmm. So, and they've got their drainage, um, their levels, right? So the yeah. water's not running into. them. So the, the
2: problem is... Whoever built the footings on that house did a crap job, Mm, mm. just like sewer pipes that maybe old terracotta or whatever Mm. leak. So therefore, the tree Mm. roots grow there. Yeah, yeah. It's not because the tree was there and broke the pipe. They don't seek water in that. They just proliferate where there's nutrients and Mm, water. mm. So if a stormwater pipe is leaking, roots will grow there. Mm. So, So you don't pull out the tree. You fix the pipe. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that's yeah. not what happens. No. Mm. Because a plumber will come and say, oh, it's that tree. Mm. Take the bloody tree out. Mm. Um, but no, it's, it's the pipe. So that that's sort of – thing. and it was just interesting just blaming yesterday. Blaming nature. Yeah, and like, it was, oh, yeah. It was nature, just Nature, don't affect me board. yet.
3: No, I don't want you to affect me <laughs> Yeah, that's right.
2: D- digging it out yesterday was just really interesting because it was right where we were standing that day and the, and the builder said to me, oh, it's, you know, it's the trees. Mm. And then, but when you get in there, it's not that at all. Yeah. it's purely that it's under the eaves. It doesn't get a lot of water, and it was a craply, you know, badly mm, built. Mm. Um, footing.
1: Mm, yeah, it's easy to and perpetuate myths, isn't it? It really is. Really
2: and and it, 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 it is something that comes up regularly. Mm, yeah. You know, people say, oh, should we plant that close to the house? Yeah. Well, these days with modern slabs, and I know mm. I've heard Stephen Ryan talk about this too, mm. you know, he, he's like me, he just doesn't think it's, a, it's such a big yeah, deal. No. I mean, you'll see on be. old rubble footings, mm. you'll see big trees around old rubble footing houses. Some crack. Some mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean,
3: when I say all the st- trees, all the um, houses in our street are cracked, because we have highly reactive clay. And we don't yeah, actually have clay. big trees near our houses, particularly yep. the, big house, the big trees. It's not a big tree suburb, so yep. it's yep. nothing to do with that. It's due to the clay. Yes. yes. But yes. I also remember that was another thing we learned at Burnley was that... Um, that um, if all the trees... It was more to do with um, legality. So tree surgeons, they have to defend <coughs> trees being a certain distance from houses and so therefore they haven't caused this particular injury to a neighbour's house and, you know, it's that sort of litigation. And the lecturer was saying... I can't remember who it was now. It might have been Greg Moore that if all the trees in Melbourne were taken out according to the um, legal framework <laughs> around trees, there'd pretty much be no trees. The yeah, there'd be no trees yeah. left. So yeah. Uh, yeah. we're all living amongst them like this, and they're really not doing like like
1: we're yeah. all saying that it's yeah. not doing this
3: damage that people are imagining. It's just not happening. Yeah. yeah.
1: So hopefully uh, Greg will be talking about that in his. <laughs> <laughs> in I his remember talk. One, of the,
2: one of the things that Greg Moore said said at one point was, "Sorry, do you want to finish that now."
1: She's just, you're not paying any attention. I'm just waving at you back here. Me, so I'll start th- throwing things at the soon. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> start throwing for uh, pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dr. Greg Moore's talk on uh, the heritage trees linking the past, present and future. This is another one that we've got the three double passes to give away. So if you'd like to uh, listen to Greg talk, um, you can give Doug a call on nine four one nine zero one double five. 0155. Uh, that talk is from 2 till 3. Um, at 4.30 to 5.30pm, Ross McMullen um, has got a talk, Pompey Elliot at War in His Own Words. Um, it's a talk by award-winning biographer and historian Ross McMullen based on his book Pompey at War in His Own Words about Australia's most famous fighting general in World War I. Uh, So uh, to get into these uh, talks, if you don't win a double pass, the adults are $8, members are $6, uh, children and concession are $5. And then on Friday the 11th of May, um, you can discover the history of Riponley Furnery. Um, it's a walk led by Justin Buckley, who's the head of horticulture for National Trust. Uh, adults are six dollars. Members, kids concession are four dollars. So there's two walks. One is from twelve till twelve forty, and one is from two till two forty. So that's um, discovering the history of the Ripon Lee Fernery. Um, so Ripon is at 192 Hotham Street in Alstonwick. And if you'd like more information on these talks or any of their other program, uh, you can go to the Ws, estate.com.au. Uh, now, we also have, uh, when I say we, mm-hmm. I'm um, talking about Open Garden Victoria, have a double pass uh, to give away for um, a garden for next weekend, which is um, Red Gums Garden, uh, which is in Drysdale. Uh, Designed by renowned landscape architect Sam Cox, this beautiful naturalistic garden on the Ballerine Peninsula will open to the public uh, Saturday the 12th of May and Sunday the 13th. Uh, Set amongst the undulating rural landscape of Drysdale, Red Gums is an inspiring six-acre garden that celebrates and complements a large stand of remnant red gums, worth going just for that, that sit amongst three billabongs in the front garden.
3: That's a big front garden. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) They're small
1: billabongs. Uh, This is one of the largest stands of remnant red gums in the area. Sam has adhered to the principles of naturalism in his landscape design to create a flowing and unified sense of place in this bush garden. Basalt boulder outcrops and planting areas were created to emulate nature with soft curving lines and generous sized garden beds filled with an abundance of different species of acacias and banksias. Uh, Grevilleas, leptospermums and eucalyptus. Close to the house, uh, peaceful entertaining areas have been created, nestled into the landscape and finished with Castlemaine slate. Visitors are welcome to picnic in the garden and are encouraged to meander through the informal tracks that weave through the Casturinas, Corriers and poias and see where the garden leads them. That sounds quite exciting. So that's um, on Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th from 10am to 4.30pm at 22 to 30 Drake's Road in Drysdale. Uh, adults are $8.00. Students are five children under 18 free. And uh, Sam Cox will be talking about the garden at eleven AM on Saturday. That's um, always good
3: good to um, hear the Oh, Absolutely, talk about yeah, their especially thoughts. in situ.
1: <coughs> mm-hmm. um, mm. if you want more information on this garden or other open garden events, uh, you can go to the W's open dot org dot On Wednesday, the 16th of May, um, is the Andrew Laidlaw talk uh, from Guilfoyle to Gaza. This is being uh, run and organised by the Friends of the Burnley Gardens. Um, Andrew Laidlaw is landscape architect to the Royal Botanic Gardens. And um, among his projects, um, he oversaw the restoration of Guilfoyle's volcano. uh, Spectacular, if anyone hasn't seen it. Oh, (coughs) it's it's Mm. really kind of come into its own hasn't it mm, yeah, you can mm. finally just see his vision some pretty now. funky horticulture yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and of course the um, innovative Ian Potter Foundation Children's Garden Oh, uh, also amazing. Absolutely. So um, Andrew's taught a whole generation of uh, garden designers at Burnley, has designed many residential and public spaces, uh, particularly spaces for children to play, and has been the leading designer for the Global Gardens of Peace Gaza project, which would be insane to hear about. Mm, Um, mm. So the bookings, you can call the Friends of Botanic Gardens office on 90356815. Uh, You can leave a message there. Or you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com. So the place to go for the talk is Burnley Campus, which is 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond, Uh, 7pm for Drinks and Nibbles and 7.30 for the talk in the room M for Mary B 11 Cost is $5 for members and $15 for non-members, and parking is available on the boulevard. And on Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of May, there's Neoka Open Garden, uh, which is at 105 Gumtree Road in Research. Uh, this is a uh, garden which is an expansive collection of aloes and succulents um, both the passion and the inspiration for ceramic artist Jack Larty um, who's got heaps of incredible um, plants as well as his own uh, sculptures. So we've got uh, large aloes such as aloe Barbaray, um the striking aloe for rocks and aloe marlothii feature in the new front garden beds and um, rocks have been carefully placed to provide textural elements and a use of stepping stones and to help channel rainwater through the garden so it sounds like a um, very well designed mm. and quirky unique I'm getting garden. the impression
3: of lotus land or something Yeah, yeah,
1: something <laughs> yeah, something crazy sounds mm. terrific. Uh, mm. so that's from 10am to 4:30pm at 105 Gumtree Road, research on the 19th and 20th of May, adults are $8, students 5 and under 18 free and plants and ceramic art is for sale. So I, I have one um,
3: talk that I oh, should, that I um, yes. left out today and I, that would be really awful if um, Dr. Sapphire McMullen Fisher would feel left out. So she's giving a talk at 11.30am about the fabulous fungi of Mullum Mullum. So, and the one thing I forgot to mention about those talks too the Mullum Mullum Festival was that there are all different locations throughout the area. So do check that website for details, which was Mullum Mullum dot org dot au to find out the exact location of those various talks.
1: Yep, brilliant. Now, Doug's just um, let us know that all the uh, double passes for the Greg Moore talk have gone, but you can still go to the. Um
3: Hopefully, they want to know about history, not uh, tree root tri- tri- <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. And now, well, Greg, what's
1: going on here? Quickly, before I forget, last week um, <laughs> Craig uh, Wilson from Gentiana Nursery um, was talking about a pumice supplier. People were interested in. Um, where he uh, obtained his pumice from? Pumice stone. Uh, yeah, for, for it's ground pumice stone for using in oh, potting mixes, mixes and whatnot. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I um, don't even know someone did supply it. Yes, well, okay. I don't think many do. So um, Craig's supplier is um, a, apparently a very skilled stonemason by the name of Damien Bateson, and his uh, phone number is zero four one two six nine eight two five nine. Well, so we finally got through all the um, things and we will have to come back to our talk, but we should at this point invite listeners to join us. So if anybody has got a uh, gardening question or a comment or wants to have a chat about tree roots, seems to be the day to do it. Um, (coughs) That number is 94190155. And Liz is here on the outside line. So if you don't want to talk to us on air, but you've got a bit of a... uh, a garden query, you can give Liz a call on nine four one nine eight three double seven. So let's uh, hope that we hear from lots of people. Um, so do you guys think this uh, fantastic autumn colour that we're having now is in part because we haven't had much rain? Surely. I think yes. so I, going into
2: did you think it's better this year than RIS? I am? Th- well, I, I'm I noticing it, it more. Oh, oh, you don't think no, it is? No, okay. I don't think it is. Um Interesting. I, I think it's... Um, Dryness certainly seems to um, it does, make it, but I yeah. think it's gone too far this uh, year. Yeah, it's affected things too much. Yeah, yeah. So, so things are actually um, sort of, some things went into autumn colour much earlier. Yeah, than yeah they would mean, have maybe other that's what I've early And yeah. started, started um, dropping their leaves mm, because they just mm, weren't coping. Too yeah. stressed. Um, uh, so so I, I don't think it's more vibrant. This year than it has been, I, I would actually argue mm. that it's been less vibrant and, and a little bit more sporadic.
4: Yeah,
3: so actually, yeah, but sporadic, that's been. what I would say as well, sporadic. Yeah. So some areas are good and so maybe maybe to do with some plants um, coping better or, you know, yeah. localised plants coping better. So, yeah. I
2: don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just too that it just doesn't feel right. Because mm. it's so damn warm. Mm. You know,
1: it doesn't mm. feel like autumn. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't mm. feel Let, like unless autumn. Unless you get up at half past five. <laughs> 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 well, I don't know. Our
2: dogs are pretty cranky. We normally have plenty of fires by now in the house. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is this, I think we've had two. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> For, yeah, saving on firewood. Is, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> good. I've, yeah. Had, I've had a few fires. My house
3: is cold. Um, but I was just thinking that um, when, you, when you're talking about, oh, it's been such bad weather, so the autumn colour hasn't been great. Ma- you know, Maybe. We're not sure. But I was just thinking, gee, that's going to actually perhaps bode badly for bud, bud development because, of mm. course, so many – like, I mean, that was the classical thing in, years ago – with, uh, with uh, when I was working in landscaping, putting in, came- which I don't now, putting in camellias, say, and people say, why didn't they flower well in winter? Well, their main time for building their, with their bud formation is February, so, you know, and that's typically a hot, dry time in Melbourne, so if people don't pay attention to their irrigation in February, then they're not going to get camellia flowers, say. Yeah. But of course, you've got that kind of roughly six month period before something flowers that, you shouldn 't say "Do a lot of heavy pruning because the flower buds are forming i mean that's just this is just very general, mm. but i 'm just thinking of the fruit of the fruit trees and thinking, "Oh mm. with, wha- How's with concern how 's it going to be mm. you mm. know how a stone mm. fruit's going to be um, because it has been so dry because mm. pet plants don 't have the energy to um, I mean, I did see some cherry buds in someone's garden yesterday, but then again, it depends who's looking after their garden. It looked like a well-watered garden. Yeah. And if you're not watering, yeah, some, uh, maybe people should go out and do some deep watering mm. on their trees today. <laughs> oh, I know
1: for sure. We've got a, a mature uh, lemon and lime. And um, yeah, the citrus have struggled. They, well, my my, pet, my mum's as well. Terrible. Yeah, I mean because I mean they can drink what six hundred litres of water a day. Is it six? well, that's more yeah, than I the thought. The mature yeah. trees, wow. you know, which is yeah. just a ridiculous amount when you think about it. Mm. That's huge. Um, is that
3: from some of the orchards that you've got that from?
1: Uh, yeah, research that. That's I'm a lot. I yeah. I found that out. yeah, right. Yeah. Because
3: I remember when I was at Burnley, we when we were studying irrigation, it was about two hundred litres per day for say you know stone fruit trees. Yeah. you know, tr- yeah. fruit trees. Yeah. So, yeah, I hadn't known that, but 600. That yeah. maybe is it to do with, oh, no, fruit, stone fruit are grown in hot, dry areas as well. Well, that's, that's it's,
2: kind it's of a lot shocking. Of water, yeah. It does seem extraordinary that there's yeah. that much water in the soil. Mm. Well, <laughs> I think, there's, I think there, a uh, in a lot of cases there's and not, and that's the problem. No. And that's
1: yeah. why mm. when you're not deep watering your citrus, and mm. we've had this mm. real dry spell, like our, mm. um, the lemon and lime, they're hanging in, but their leaves are dull. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, they're exactly. kind of curling up a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah although mm. we did um yeah, Ray did give them a couple of long deep soaks and that made a difference. Their leaves mm. open back up again. Yes. But it's not yeah, that yeah, real yeah, bright, yeah. glossy, yeah. healthy type of leaves. And one
3: of my orange the um the Valencia, so the the, light, the one of the navel it's an I've got a navel, Lane's late navel, which is meant to be this, you know, to be a little bit later in the season, that sort of thing. And it's at a different stage of development, or maybe just in a different area of the garden with less rain shadow. But the Valencia, half the oranges are just cracking right open. And I don't mean just a little split; they just, they just don't. I presume it's from lack of moisture. They are just completely cracking before they're even vaguely ripe. Mm. So it's like, mm, mm, that's, that's yeah, so I do need to water it more. Yeah. Been watering, but. Not enough.
1: Yeah, maybe not enough. Not and enough, yeah. really long, deep. So, so, I mean, you've got a lot of fruit here. Is this all from yes. your garden? Uh, uh, this one or?
3: was just to show what I'm going to do. My neighbour gave me these dried olives. I was just going to talk about these. Oh but, nice. yeah, these are from my garden. So, um, quinces this year, pistachios, pistachios this year. Yeah, I was going to talk about how difficult they are to, grow, um, to process. I thought, oh, they're going to be really easy because they're a Mediterranean-type plant and really hardy. And then upon doing the looking up of how you process them, there's a whole lot of really interesting and and tricky things about them, so there's a whole lot of information about how if you don 't clean the um, the outer shell, you know like all nuts like almonds have got an outer casing, and it can be well when they 're perfectly ripe, you sort of squeeze them between your thumb and your forefinger. And they um, the sh- the outer bit sort of squidges off, but it doesn't always come off that way. So that's why you'll see some of it's been sort of scraped up with thumbnails. I mean, it's a really long one of those sitting down chatting to your friends or you or, you know your neighbours doing that a labour of love. Yeah, days. and then you um, and if you don't apparently um, there's a whole lot of information about there's a, some of them that i would left and put aside and didn't get around to processing. I thought oh, I'll get there later, and then I looked it up and was horrified to find out that they're prone to getting this particular bad particularly bad mould, which I now actually forget the name of it, but you can Google this easily. And it's the same kind of mould that's on bread, apparently, like a bread mould, mm-hmm. and um, that people in countries where they have a lot of pistachios, some, you know, people get sick and I think some of them even die. So I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know if i <laughs> want to eat those ones. So just sort of left those there. Um, and so, yeah, in other words, they're prone to a lot of, pro- lot of dangerous mould problems if you don't process them quickly. Whereas you think with nuts, like almonds, when I had an almond tree in the past, you pick them, they just sit there. And when you're ready, you crack them open, you eat them. Mm. You know, walnuts the same. I mean, you know, they're better if you eat them in the first year. Macadamias. But pistachios, interestingly enough, have this really funny little quirk that they're prone to this mold and you've got to process them. And then, and so you clean the outer bit off. And then you dehydrate them.
1: Like I've never seen a whole... Oh, they've show. got this
3: beautiful... It? Actually, uh, there was a rather lovely photo that I had in Organic Garden magazine some oh. time ago. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> got I have to look up episode, the episode, yeah. uh, which um, mm. one it was. But um, it, they have this beautiful um, bright pink... They're green, then clusters of these big nuts, and then uh, clusters of these nuts. And they look like buds because the neighbours are saying to me, oh, what's that flower going to be? They thought they were buds. And then, when they're flushed, this beautiful pink colour, really, really pretty, They uh, that's a sign that they're ripe. Mm. The, the um, outer skins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're really pretty. So, and what you it's brought, interesting, anyway.
1: What you brought in here is, this is sort of what we know as precisely, except they're, yeah. they're not open, they're not and cracked a little that's bit. That's
3: another issue that apparently they, you know, there's. I don't, know, I don't know how they get them to open commercially, so it'll be another year of experimenting. But they. Um, eat them? Put them, <clears> they're, them? They're, These have been dehi- in a dehydrated oh. for 10 hours, oh. or 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. And that's very wow, they're the, expensive the,
2: pistachios yeah. you've got <laughs> that, there. No, no, actually. <laughs> I
1: don't know, I like no, not really.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, dehydrators are not that not bad. Well, also if you've got solar panels as well. Oh. So, you know. But um, the thing is, if you still. Like, dried fruit has to be, or any pistachios, they have to be dried anyway, and dried fruit. It's just, you know, you're just preserving it. It's just using, it's, well, I don't know. My partner maintains that dehydrators don't use a lot of power, but I don't know, someone might ring up and prove me wrong. Um...
2: Apparently not. so well, it's like my brother in law he gave us uh, some honey, his first honey from his and he gave us his tiny little jar and he said, This is about hundred and fifty pounds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of processing involved <laughs> in honey. Well, especially yeah, yeah, when yeah. you start out, you're buying all the, yeah, equipment, all the equipment, you buy the yeah. books, you are doing the yeah. courses yeah. Yeah. and yeah. so we oh, had yeah. this like liquid gold. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Tell me about I remember that in my first year. But
3: anyway, the thing is that they open mm. irregular they're irregular in the opening and it doesn't look like these ones have opened that much. So you can also eat them raw. So you pick them off the tree, you take the shell off, yep. and then, or the outer covering, I should say, or the outer skin, I guess you'd call it, and then you just um, peel open the um, the shell. Is there and, flesh um, between the them.
1: skin and that actual inner, inner pit?
3: No, the, inside this is just the nut now. So right, you've got the okay. nut encased by a shell, yep. encased by a skin. I'll go with skin. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, you can, you, you can eat them raw off the tree, and they're really nice, but you can't just let them hang around the place, which I didn't realise. Mm. I, I, maybe, maybe you get the skin off and you keep them in the fridge. I don't 100% know. Mm. There's all these, um, you know, alarming studies that made me think, okay, I'm just going to dry them.
2: Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you believe everything you read on Google though, either. Oh <laughs> don't, no, this is forget.
3: university studies. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. This no, is not, right. uh, and this is from people in the industry and, yeah. you know, scientific research about the dangers of this. So, oh, yeah. I just didn't know. I thought, oh well, you just pick them like any other nut. And that they've got, you know, you just assume that nuts have, with a lot of oils in them, have long storage. Mm. Um, capabilities. So, I just thought, I just thought it was interesting because there's nice small trees. They're easy to grow in Melbourne. They, they you know, I thought they to be suitable for climate change because they like hot, dry conditions. Yep. Blah blah blah. All you need to get is you know a, a male and a female, and they are actually difficult to get hold of the trees. But just be aware if you're going to put these in that you had to be prepared to process them as soon as they appear. That's all. Yeah. What, what's yeah, the genus, genus and species name? Of um, oh, which uh, pistachia. Is, is it, it species note? No, no not chinensis. I the think one you see is, is the street tree. Yeah, is the ornamental tree. Mm. I've uh, I've completely gone blank to be mm. honest. Yeah. Because mm. that's, a good, that that's a good
2: a tree sense. that is starting it's to pop lovely. up quite a bit around the place. Well, they're really now.
1: hardy
3: and yeah. very. That's oh, a um, cashew family. <clears> oh, <throat> ah, I yeah, wonder if yeah. cashew is similar in their processing. So is that or something? It is. Yeah, yeah. See, I knew that, but not the species pistachia, So
1: genus pistachia.
3: And which which um. Vera, oh, Vera yeah. come to mind. Oh, sorry, I, oh,
2: sorry I blanked out. What
1: was it? Too bad. You'll have to Google her. Vera. Her is Vera. 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 <laughs> uh, Vera.
4: Of, Vera's. of course yeah. it yeah, is. Yeah. Anyway, just interesting.
3: Very, because, very interesting. And also to find things to grow that are not as prone to having uh, the beloved possum community of Melbourne eating. Although they did um, knock a few yeah. around the place, and I think the the resident crows they, they um, target my neighbour's walnut tree, and they're seen um, flying around the place with big walnuts in their their teeth, and they go into one particular neighbour's tree, and and break the walnuts, and all the walnut shells are on the ground there. So there's some hilarious stuff that goes mm. on. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> find that hilarious if it was my walnut tree. It's very, you know? very big. Well, because you can go up to the tree, and my neighbour said to me, you know, "Have a listen," and you can be right next to this big, thick conifer, and you can hear um, this sort of like clucking noise, and then and the crows are right in there, like as close to mm. me as I am to you. But they you, they feel safe in there. And then, I mean, they're in yep. there sort of going, you know, pulling, making a p- little... pulling apart the yeah, walnuts. clever. Well, they yeah. are clever
1: birds, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I should again invite listeners to uh, call in if they've got a question or query, or perhaps some people might know how to process pistachios. Um, this is the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and joining me in the studio are Evan Gorky and Karen Sutherland. And the number to call us is nine four one nine zero one double five or if you'd prefer to speak to Liz on the outside line for some gardening advice, you can call nine four one nine eight three double seven. So what else have you brought in, Karen? Um, I was
3: nibbling Something. on a bit of pistachio. Mm. Oh, sorry. Pomegranate. Pomegranate. Yum, 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 yum. Another, um, yeah, feel free to have some.
1: Mm, I just pulled one apart yesterday for a salad. Very, I very
3: probably. yummy. Yeah. So this one's called Ben Hur. Now, I thought... It was a bit of an experimental one when I planted it years ago, and I thought that it was going to have really large fruit. But, in fact, it seems to refer to the size of the seeds. And also, I have to say that the, some of these are a little bit pale because I had to pick them a bit earlier. Oh, I was going like to say, because
1: they're paler than the other ones. Um, yeah, they're meant well. to
3: be deep red, but there were some two-legged predators on my pomegranate tree this year. <laughs> so it's going to be netted more extensively next year because they took the fruit bags with the fruit. <laughs> <So> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. They're pretty cheeky. Um, so yeah, netting next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they are large and juicy these these seeds, which is they're a lot juicier than a lot larger and juicier than your average pomegranate seed. Wonderful has really good deep colour, uh, you know the the variety <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, but like this that. this um, this Ben Hur variety, I have to say though, wonderful seems to fruit in all the trees that I've put in for people um, much more predictably. And reliably in a small tree, yep. uh, and when they're quite small. But this Ben Hur variety, it's very interesting and lovely, but it is um, you don't get much. So how,
1: how big are the plants?
3: Um, this plant is about, oh, it's probably about five to seven years old, and it's about say probably three meters tall mm-hmm. by about two and a half to three meters tall by wide. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to just try and keep it smaller. Yep. But I mean, you know, some people's trees that I've only put in two or three years ago, they've got wonderfuls that are only maybe one and a half um, metres high and wide and they have probably twice as many fruit as my great big Ben-Hur tree. So I'm sorry, Ben-Hur growers, but I'm not not recommending them as far as... Um, getting lots of fruit in a really small space. So yeah,
1: maybe different soils, maybe different varieties suit different soils. What, what I don't
3: know. It, look, it was, it's a newer, it was a newer variety, and I just put it in to try it out. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, um, it's a bit of that same thing. You know, if you grow quince champions, you're going to get reliable fruits. Um, you know, if you grow pomegranate, wonderful, you're going to get reliable fruit. But then people want to try different things. So mm. it's funny, mm. I, I, um, I actually mm. don't remember what my quince is. It's a dwarf quince I bought. It might be pineapple or something. I'm not 100% sure, Now, it has a lovely scent, of course, like quinces do. So this is a dwarf quince, mm. and this is from a tree only about you know, a, a metre and a half tall by a metre wide. There's mm. a tiny little cute little tree, and I would have got about 20 quinces from that this year. So, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, really, really, really good. And what do you um, do with them? Um, either just, uh, stew, you know, boil them, like stew them up, or mm-hmm. um, I actually prefer them sort of slow-cooked, slow-roasted in the oven. Um, just to caramelize them a bit more, mm-hmm. or, you know, just to break them down a bit more, so yep. and just have them on top of breakfast, uh, top of porridge, so basically. Kind of, kind of use like stewed apples. Stewed apples, yeah, 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 yeah. just cooked slower. That's all. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and quince so, yeah. paste?
3: Uh, no, I don't go there. Too much work. <laughs> <laughs> and too that's much really sugar. Right? I, honestly, yeah. I prefer. That's uh, natural. Yeah, just yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, you do you need to put a little bit of sugar with quince, but they, you don't have to because you can just cook them with apple juice, or just cook them and then you can add a bit of your own honey or whatever thing, you know, then you can sweeten it to taste afterwards. Yeah, so, so not like
1: rhubarb where you've got to add more sugar than the rhubarb to yeah, make it even rhubarb palatable. Rhubarb is a ridiculous, yeah, <laughs> a ridiculous yeah, plant. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I like rhubarb, but then I just I cook a lot with apple juice, so that's yeah. uh, just an
3: easy way around it. And then kiwis are coming in. This is my favourite time of year. So it's a bit of a race between the rats pulling them down and finding each time... Um, that oh that one 's not ripe either, yeah. and uh, there 's there's a big there 's a, there's a lot of fruit up there, a big harvest this year, so hopefully we get some so i 'm going through that process of picking a couple, bringing them inside, trying to ripen them, seeing whether they ripen before they wither up, kind of thing, and then mm. thinking okay we 've got to the stage, I can actually go and pick some now and just store them and gradually ripen them because it 's the only way around the um, the wildlife mm. the best <laughs> um,
2: the best uh, kiwi fruit. <coughs> I've I've ever planted is at a school in Kew where the architects supplied me with this enormous pergola, three and a half metres in the air, on the south side of a double story building. And they said, Can you put something on it? Oh, God. Okay. What? And in the end, I I put kiwi fruit. That would have been 10 years ago. I put um, two females and a male. Um, And I put them. Sorry?
3: How long was this pergola?
2: 10 metres, mm-hmm. 12 metres. This is about, you're talking about my pergola here. Big, big, big steel. <laughs> my dad built it. Big steel thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and south side. And right. I, I didn't know whether, you know, how it would do. But, you know, they fruit Perfect. so reliably Perfect. every yeah. year. The south aspect. I thought it wasn't going to work, mm. but in fact, it's, it's the best they because do really well. they don't dry yeah. out. They don't get fried by the sun. Exactly. That's the yeah, hardest yeah, the thing about sun. kiwi yeah, fruit yeah. Mm. is the hot sun just murders mm. them. And I know I've given up at home until I've got a better spot, um, because I can't be bothered with all the, the, you know, cardboard leaves. That <laughs> they mm. get fried. but this one because it's so far up in the air, the oh, gardeners the there to have mm. to have to sort of get them down for the kids. But the early yeah. learning centre kids go up there, and the gardeners will get out with their ladders. Yeah, but they ripen on the bush because the possums can't get yeah, to I it. I was either. just thinking yours is more
3: isolated, whereas mine's adjoining yeah. other trees and yeah. that's it's problem. Yeah,
2: and uh, and it's just they're just extraordinary. They drop to the ground, in fact. So the, oh, sorry, the possums do get up there, oh, but okay. they don't they, because it's a lot of it's wire. They don't, oh. they don't get around. They obviously don't get around it that well, and so they tend oh, to drop. A great them. idea. Mm. Yeah, so they they hit the deck. Give me ideas and here. You, you can walk through there. I'm so at this time of year, if you walk through there, they'd be in the garden. They'd just be they'd just be kiwi fruits mm. just hanging around in the side of the garden where the the cleaning guys just sort of blown them off to the side mm. or whatever. But they're so good because they ripen mm. on the bush, which I never got at home. I always had to seem to pick them. To get them away from the plane, wildlife. Yeah, to get them away from And then, But those ones are so sweet, so mm. soft, so juicy. Mm. But I think the southerly aspect is the other mm. really important thing. Mm. So I planted them up the eastern end, which was the darker end, and they've done what I hoped they would do. They've effectively grown towards the west. Yeah. Um, as mm. opposed to sort of the other mm. end and maybe not getting it to mm. the other end. And they have more or less covered it. It's taken a long time, mm. Mm. but they've more or less covered it now. But the, I just can't believe how much fruit is up there mm. every year. Mm. I haven't mm. been there this year, mm. but in other years, there'd be 100, 200 fruit and big. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I would like, have that many like, probably yeah, easily. And I'm not
3: yeah. even, um, they do need to be, pr- mm. like, they benefit better from, they benefit well and fruit better from, pruning, but it is difficult when it's at home. My dad ended up welding ladders onto my big oh, structure know. that is 10 metres long by 3 metres high. <laughs> and I, I got the idea because of um, doing my apprenticeship at Melbourne Zoo and seeing that the Kiwis were growing amongst the tree monkeys or the arboreal primates. Mm. And I thought, oh, wow, they like to grow up really high. So, um, And I thought, well, I'll just create the same thing. But my neighbour, and this is what I'm going to try and actually probably change mine into to make it easier to manage, my neighbour, an elderly Italian lady, has... One male and one female planted in her back garden and on the southern side of the house. And she has it trained all the way down this narrow dark sideway, but at, at, um, head height. And so it's, it's genius, like a grapevine in a way. And she's trained this probably about, it's about 30 metres long, 20 to 30, 30 metres long, probably 20 metres. And she gets about 50 kilos of wow. fruit. One, it's one female. She has a male down there and it's just enough for the bees to work with and it's unbelievable because she saw my big rampant thing (laughs) and I was saying I don't get that many fruit because I wasn't doing enough pruning and she said oh no no you know that was her big message you've got to prune it prune it and I went down and had a look at hers and I just I mean it's got to be the biggest kiwi fruit in the world I don't know it could
2: be a call (laughs) but yeah um, so it's entirely down the south side entirely on the
3: it's shaded by her house it only gets a little pocket of sun during the day and
2: that's the female that's there yeah the female the male male and the female are down in the
3: back in the veggie garden so they've got their roots admittedly they're getting the best soil they could get because their roots are in her veggie garden Mm. and of course that's going to do well but then the the plant is then trained all the way and it's only limited because she's got a front gate at Mm. the sideway, and you know she can't it's hard to get it through. So is that growing yeah, yeah. towards
2: the east or the west? That one. Does well, it, it doesn't grow-
3: even know where it's growing, but it's growing. <laughs> we're, on, we're on a um, we're on a slight angle, so it's yeah. growing from the east towards the. But it's really the southwest. The it's south-west, growing to. Really? Yeah really. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll often actually suggest to people mm. to plant um, to plant kiwis down the south side of a house mm. a narrow sideway. Mm. More the kiwi berries. I'll say to people because usually they don't manage such a big plant as this. But she, and she's got this interesting um, management method. She'll take some of the, um, this is more like an observation thing of what she's mani- what she's figured out to do. So, you know, they, they get this big, vigorous, but cut brittle growth. And so she, because they're too hard to manage, she just breaks those out when yes. they grow. Right. It's really Fantastic. interesting. Yeah. So she's just figured this out. Snaps it off. And then the more twiny growth, she just twines in, mm. and she also reduces the length of it. Mm. And every time she reduces the length of it, she's creating more um, fruit, um, more flowering, more flowering there, yeah. buds, mm. yeah, flowering yeah, yeah. wood. Yeah. Mm. Oh no, more uh, more vigour. But also she produces this um, flowering wood. Flowering you know, wood. The yeah. little, they yeah, kind yeah. of get little knobbly bits all over them, and mm, that's the um, yeah, and that's the flowering wood. So <laughs> she's got this amazing system. And then she also, because it's this very long, it's like. Like a single trunk, it's not single trunk though. Well, I guess it's single, but then it goes into multi pieces. It's a bit like a, a grapevine that's been pruned up as a single trunk and then taken along, like I've got along my veranda, and lots of people do. And you know, then the pieces all hang down, and then you cut those back each year yeah. after fruiting. Yeah. You know, they they go back and forth. Or, you know, cane pruning basically, or mm. sp- or spur pruning. And um, whichever one you do. But it's a bit like that, but then she has she has her one trunk, but then she has multi-branches that go along. And then every now and then she'll decide, oh, that one's getting a bit old, so she'll just cut that piece right out and bring another piece through. And
2: So it cuts it right back to the Well, to one the piece she might, one branch there. she might take out. Yeah, yeah, to freshen it up. And freshen it up, yeah. Mm. And it's yeah. just
3: genius. Mm. Um, I think it's pretty mm. much intuitive gardening, just yeah. watching how things are growing and she probably was pretty familiar with grapes and so she's got good-looking good grapevines, and yeah. mm. she's just one of those, you know, natural mm. gardeners. Yeah. I
1: wonder if but, it's got yeah. something to do with a cool root run. I wonder if they... I oh, absolutely. That. I think yeah. that helps, yeah. but also yeah.
2: just keeping the leaves out of the bright sun. So what yes. your observation so was in yeah. the arboreal yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. enclosures... Yeah, yeah, they love it. ...is that they're growing yeah. under the canopy of other trees, yeah. which is maybe yeah. how they grow naturally. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's what i ...a climber yeah. that, that gets its way up to the top of the canopy... Yeah, yeah, uh, but but the most of it is is yeah, within the canopy, yeah. so it's probably how they yeah. naturally grow. But okay. yeah, I know at home you, you yeah. have to they have to have a cool root zone. Mm. I think that yes, yeah, certainly. But they they don't. You cannot give them western sun. or No, something Black like Saturday my kiwis like lost every single leaf they yes, had. Yes, mine were like that too. Yeah. So every single
3: leaf
1: fell off. Yeah, yeah. Mm, incredible And yeah, yeah. I mean I know no, Of course grapes Like a cool root run And I think that's Part of my problem um, I've got um, a couple In really large um, uh, Core 10 pots If you like mm.
4: And they it's an
1: just, interesting Experiment Well I would have thought They wouldn't have Minded that I'm really surprised With that Well there's a, they have to contend... Well, they originally had to contend with the possums, but now the possums are eliminated from mm. that particular area. But uh, then, of course, it was the vine caterpillars, so, and then the cockies <laughs> came along and had to go. So it's, I, I'm determined to sit under <laughs> sad a Sad story? It's, it's a, a terrible it story. It is. It's a really sad story. But, however, when I finally sit under a, a grapevine-covered pergola, I'll, I'll be... Can you plant them in the ground, <laughs> I'm wondering? I, well, I, I think I'm yeah. going to have to. Yeah. Because um, I've got but, mine
3: in... Uh, Well, for instance, I moved a – I I transplanted one. So, you know, a bit of an experiment, uh, like five-year-old grape or something. And I dug down between – I thought it would be nice to have it over the front veranda. And I had space between a concrete pillar, found you know, stumps at the edge of the house. I'm talking a really tiny little pocket area. And I thought, oh, well, it can just go in there. I'm talking, you know, 30 centimetres by 30 centimetres, equivalent to a pot. And so I just scraped down into this terrible soil, shoved it in there did a bit of soil improvement. It's got some pots nearby that are on automatic irrigation, so it gets a little bit of a drip feed of irrigation and water, uh, sorry, water and nutrients, but not much. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty bad at fertilising pots. And it's probably uh, seven metres long Mm. and fruiting. Mm. So, you know, it doesn't... Have they don't have to grow much, I don't think Mm. Mm. so.
1: So With with core 10 steel pots, I just think it's heated up.
2: So, for we've we've done several garden designs where we've made what we call cloud planters. Oh, yes, so we use core 10 and we roll them like you would. Um, draw an image of a fluffy cloud, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense whatsoever. Really, <laughs> Explain that. No, no, I don't so, so understand. I thought you, you meant the you would, looked like a cloud. You know how you would draw, draw a fluffy cloud in the sky as a kid? You know, it might look... Um, oh, yes. So, yes you so, so you just have a, a series a of arcs. Yes. So you have one arc that might be not quite all the way around to 180 degrees, and then you join it to another arc that might be not quite 180 degrees, and you have a pot that's four metres long by two metres wide or so, and it yep. just all goes together like Meccano. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for um, using in children's playgrounds and so on where you want to have a raised bed, but you don't have, want to take up much space. Um, but the key to them is to put uh, something between the steel and the soil. hmm uh because That's you what need, I was thinking. you need that insulation. Mm, mm. So um the best thing you can get is there there is a drainage material, it's like a plastic dimple with oh, geotextile yes, yes, on yes. the other side. Yes. That works really, really well. So you end up with an air gap between the steel and the and yep. the soil. Yeah. Otherwise it just dries out too quickly. Yep. So that, that'll be your problem. Yeah. Yep. So just get a little bit of that. I or will. you could even find some of polystyrene or something, would be fine.
1: Just to put around the edges. Yeah, yeah you could yeah. put
2: timber around. Um, I was
1: thinking of putting a big pot inside it. Yeah, you could do that do as the well. Same thing,
2: polystyrene, though, you know, if you find someone who's bought a fridge or something like that, and you've got that thin, yeah, you know, 10 mil thick yeah. polystyrene, you could flex that around it quite easily. That yeah. would work yeah. really, really well as yeah. well. Yeah. that drainage so, that cell stuff you're key. talking
3: about sounds really, really useful. Is because that what's it's used so on rooftops? Uh, yeah, in, it's used in, in roof gardens. In, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it is, okay. and behind retaining walls, yep. in replace of aggregate. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really effective. The only thing with it is, that sometimes it can drain it too well. Mm-hmm. So it probably mm. depends a little bit on how big your your pot is. It's pretty big. Okay, it's pretty big. So, so <laughs> that what might be that okay. What's that stuff
3: called that you're talking about? That drainage cell.
2: cell? Um, I don't, I don't know what it's called. Drainage cell is often a term for it, but there's lots of different sorts of drainage cell. Mm. This one comes in a roll. Um, so it's very malleable, whereas some drainage cell is like in uh, in rectangles and mm. you click it together. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Where do you get it this, from? Um, if you Googled uh, uh, geotextile suppliers, you'd probably find it there. Yeah. Um, there's a company called KHD Landscape Engineering. They certainly have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have an... Uh, I think their factory is in Dandenong or somewhere like that. Um, but they certainly have it. Yeah, but it works really well. And it's really good for put, putting behind retaining walls and things mm. like that as well because mm. it's you don't have to lug in all that stone. Mm. You can just put mm. that behind it. And mm. then you can plant right up to the wall as well without without having that big dry area behind a retaining wall, which mm, is often mm. just really difficult to deal with.
1: Mm. Yeah, so well, I'm definitely going to give that a go because it's very, mm. very frustrating. Uh, because I've got the, these core 10 pots, so made especially to basically attach to these huge uh, recycled timber posts that the pergola is made out of. So they kind of hug the post itself. Mm. And uh, But, yeah, I had suspected that perhaps... Uh, the steel was heating up the soil just a little bit too much. So, mm, yeah, mm. No, I'll, I'll give that a go. And I'm, I think I'm going to put in new grapes anyway because I, I don't know, they just don't seem to yeah, be. They've doing got a bit stressed. I do, yeah. And, mm. and they've been for years and they're just kind of sitting there. I'm just, yeah, I think it's time mm. to start afresh. <laughs> yeah, where, where did you read that grapes like cool root runs? Oh, I've just heard. That yeah, they, I'm mm, sort of
2: surprised yeah. by that too, I must mm. say. I. I you know, when you see them out in the fields. That's what I mean, yeah. They're not really, they're very exposed.
1: Yeah, no, I I have heard my, um, actually where we get our our, um, post, Uh, he's also a um, viticulturist and sort Uh, of his own uh, winemaking and he was um, saying that Mm. he he thought that the the grapes that that were extremely well shaded, um, he thought did better than the, um, Mm. yeah. The other thing
2: about grapes and trying to grow them on pergolas, of course, is that the possums will continually prune them, and they may never get to the top.
1: Well, no, they can't. No, <laughs> no, no. no. They happen. actually can't, because I've wrapped, um, I've done what they do in the in the botanic gardens and whatnot. I've, oh. I've, I've wrapped clear plastic around each of the posts okay. and yep. eliminated how they can jump to the pagoda. Mm. So, yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's definitely not the possum anymore. Mrs. Yeah. Pospos, our Mrs. Pospos. <laughs> okay, yeah. Not Mrs. Pospos.
2: I remember years ago being in the uh, um, exhibition gardens, and uh, there's, you know, all those steel Things around the trees to stop the oh, yes, stop yes, stop, yes, stop the yeah, possums yeah. going up, and uh, somebody said, "Oh, come and have a look at this." And if you looked over the top, there was a possum sleeping between the oh, tree and the tree guard, oh, so it was already in the tree, brilliant. and it was actually just a lovely sleeping <laughs> <Yeah>. spot. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome
1: habitat. Yeah, thanks thanks for that little uh, bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Very appreciative. Yes, so you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm A.B. Bishop, and in the studio with me are Karen Sutherland and Evan Gorky. So if you have any questions, I'm not sure um, nobody seems to be ringing up today. must be enjoying the conversation. So, um, Evan, let's get to a couple of plants that you floundered about in the dark looking for. Um, Make make it worth your while.
2: One one thing I've got in my hand here, uh, which I, I got... Uh, the other day, from a site in Melton, um, doing a community centre design in Melton, um, is uh, a plant that you don't often see around, or it may be, it's a eucalypt, it may be mistaken for ironbark. So it's um, Eucalyptus gomphocephala, mm-hmm. which is a cool name anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, looks very much like an ironbark, but probably the bark is a little bit more furrowed. Um, the leaves aren't quite as grey, and it probably isn't quite as upright. But the distinguishing feature of them is this very wide, flat um, petiole mm. um, behind the behind the fruit. Oh, so it's it's yeah. not round. It's very, very unusual. Un, yeah, it's, it's very an unusual.
1: Like fruit, isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah, it it's is. The um, they're in bud at the moment, so. Um, If if you're going around, you'll see they're they're big buds. You know, they're the size of a marble, I suppose, right now, and they're big and juicy and green, Um, and they'll come out in in quite a big uh, white flower. But I've been seeing these around a lot. Um, Mm. Now that I know it, um, Mm. you you start seeing them. So I think I've seen a huge one on a site in, um, in Geelong, at Hyten, Yeah. Uh, where we're doing a childcare centre. It's between the school and, and the childcare centre site. And it's massive. And it's planted with ironbarks. So it may have been mixed up years and years ago and, mm. and come in as, are, as are they what related? would have uh, I don't think they're related. This, this, uh, th- this one comes from Western Australia. Mm. So it comes from around the Swan uh, River Area it's quite a restricted zone, but yes. I've seen it growing mm. on enormously nice. variable sites. So uh, the one at Highton is growing in 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 clay. Mm. Um, I've seen a beautiful one at Beau Morris Secondary College, mm. which is growing in sand. Oh wow! Um, and different. then the two out in Melton uh, that I saw the other day are just growing in that sort of red soil that you get mm. in mm. in the Melton area. Um, but it's, it's a fabulous tree, and it's a, a tree that I've, I'm trying to... I've been talking to tree growers saying, why can't we grow this? You know, because I, in recent times I've been restricted from being allowed to put ironbarks into uh, public uh, gardens, which I've been a little bit annoyed about, I must say, but um, the, the, the feeling is, is that they get um, uh, quite tight branch unions and they v-crotch quite easily Mm -hmm, so they get that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. they get those dual leaders that can be quite close together Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. they tend to fall apart Um, that's not my experience and uh, when you talk around you know most arborists will say oh yeah you do see a little bit of that Um, but I think these days a lot of the trees that you see around are quite old so perhaps the tree selection wasn't quite as good as it is now Mm -hmm. Um, because most nurserymen say Oh no, I haven't. You know, we haven't experienced that. So it depends on who you talk to. But ironbarks are just a magnificent landscape tree. Um, you see great stands of them in Monash Uni, for example. Mm-hmm. And you know they might be through gravel with gravel underneath, and just that fantastic dark bark mm-hmm. is is a stunning feature. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that is really good about them is they they uh, attract a lot of birds like mm-hmm. lorikeets. So mm-hmm. to put them. You know, outside childcare centres and things like mm, that is really mm. good because they do attract a lot of lorikeets. They yep. do, they'll just be swarming with yep. them when they're in flower. Um, but I think this this is just a really good alternative tree and it would be really lovely to, to see if it could start being grown. I don't know if there's any pitfalls to the tree. Mm. As I say, I've seen it growing in a variety of sites now. Um, What's the common not, name? Oh, Wouldn't have don't a clue. Know, yeah. um, <laughs> what, what's its what?
3: habit of growth? Does it look like it, it, an ironbark?
2: It looks like an ironbark, but it's a little bit more branching, not quite as upright. Hmm. So quite barks, suitable for the city. Yeah, yeah. Ironbarks tend to be quite, quite upright, mm. don't they? Mm, mm, uh, mm. Whereas you tend to get a lot more low, low branching on on the gomphocephala. Gomphocephala, That's what I was going yes. Yeah. It but it's just a stunning tree, and for kids, you know, I do a lot of design for kids. Um, Q art. Tuat, okay. There you go. So that's oh. common name. Right.
1: Yeah.
3: I have heard that, but mm. I've never mm. heard the species name you've yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. But I have mm. so it's a
2: quite t- a restricted zone around, uh, I think up as far as Geraldton maybe and down, down to sort of Swan, Swan River area. Okay. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, tiny area. Just does, does yeah. grow really well in Melbourne in yeah. a variety of sites. So I'd, I'd like to see that, that growing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, if we could. Um, so you, do
1: you grow any of your own uh, plant seven for your no, landscape business. So no, no, not at all. To you? I don't
2: build anything either. I haven't built landscapes mm-hmm. for. You just wander around giving instructions. See, yeah, I do a lot of pointing. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a yeah no, things. mostly designing, mostly for educational uh, places. So at the moment we're doing community <laughs> centre, which is kindergarten and so on in Highton. That's being built now. There's one in Altona being built. Um, we're starting one. Uh, I forget where we're starting one, somewhere in, in Melton the City Council, maybe. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we, I'm mostly doing that. Schools, so um, Taylors Hill Secondary College, oh, it's now called Springside Secondary College, big new school being built, the first stage has been completed. I was out there the other day and the landscape was planted over the summer that's doing really well and just emphasising trees. I was just going to ask you, what are are you you getting to put in there? Yeah, budgets are very small for for the Mm -hmm. landscapes for these schools, which is fair enough. I mean, they want smart boards and they want this and that, but so tend not to plant a lot of small material. Really, just planting the big structural stuff. So mm-hmm. lots and lots of trees, and everything's doing really well out there. Melton soil and around that area is really good. On the flip side, we're doing one at Edgar's Creek, which is about to be planted, and the soil there is appalling. It's just <laughs> it's, it's horrible black, um, very clay loam, mm. like incredibly clay loam. Mm. Will
1: you use indigenous plants there just because it's you know better, um, better in that no, soil or not no,
2: necessarily? No, no, just. Um, you, you've got to put in plants that are available mm. in size, so you're very restricted as to what what you can go with there. Um, this, the soil has to be amended. You can't really sort of just rely on the on the um, the soil from the site because it'll just compact too much, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of stuff will drown, drown and nobody will be mm-hmm. able to weed it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the other problem. So. There was a school, a a primary school that was done uh, up that way a few years ago that wasn't done well. And it's been a disaster because the school can't weed it because the ground is so damned hard that you can't pull a weed out of it. Um, And then in the winter, of course, it goes goes boggy. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, you really have to ameliorate the soil and bring soil in. He's, yeah. he's, mm, unfortunately, mm. but that's that's the way it mm, is
1: Yeah, well we've um, finally Got a caller, so people have woken up So we're going to go to uh, Ken In West Sunshine, good morning Ken
5: Good morning, look, your is Absolutely fantastic and I listen to it It's my church every Sunday Oh lovely, morning. pleased to hear um, I learn so much, but unfortunately I forget so much So we're <laughs> getting a bit older I just wanted to talk about the iron bark. I planted this little, we shifted into our We bought our house, dove to buy our house in 1974, mm. and we planted this little gum tree, and I'm <laughs> mad on, um, on natives, and especially in an in, in indigenous area, which I'm fighting my wife for all the time to just plant indigenous, and sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. <laughs> but the thing is, this iron bark is four stories high. Mm. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's right out the front and I love it. And one of my neighbours said to me, why don't you chop it down? <laughs> and I said to him, why? It's beautiful. And he yes. said, it might fall down. It might it's fall down. down, yeah. yeah. Right. And I yep. said, but that's why we got insured.
2: Exactly. And then
5: he said to me, but it might tell you." And I said, oh, shit, I won't have to worry about the insurance. Will I? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely it's absol- played. It's absolutely beautiful. And uh, it does bring birds. My whole I've got a lot of trees around my place and right I've got an easement out the back and I've got about 30 trees indigenous to this area except for two I love the Cootamundra and I've got a South Australian model the rest are all indigenous to this area and the birds that come there come to our place and especially um, native birds and parrots
2: mm. and I love it and they chatter away in the tree oh, don't they
5: look it's just, you can hear it's just come around the corner and you can hear my house from the
2: corner. <laughs> oh, I do good. love that. And and for kids, I just think that's really important, you know, to be able to walk past and, and hear that chattering of parrots mm. and then look up, oh, what's going on up there? That's mm. right. I just think that's wonderful.
5: Anyway, thanks very much. You're, you're fantastic. Keep
1: it up. Good on you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Yeah, I saw a wonderful iron bark in a school in oh, maybe Bentley or somewhere like that the other day. Um, must have been... You know, 60, 70 years old in the middle of a playground and just the most beautiful form, black, black trunk, Mm. um, you know, a metre across, or maybe not a metre, it's exaggerating, maybe 700 mils diameter, really fantastic tree. That school actually had a lot that was not going for it. It was a primary school and, you know, with a lot of primary schools, the funding isn't great. And certainly for maintenance, the funding is is essentially, yeah, it's essentially just not there at all. No. Um, but the, the the saving grace there was that somebody had the courage to plant some big trees, you know, many years ago, and I think that's what we avoid here now. Mm. We avoid planting big trees. So one of the other fantastic trees was just an English oak in the middle of, uh, and there were so many kids under it. it was there? I was on, there on a hot day, and there were so many kids playing under it. It had rubber and so on all around it and mm. everything, and they were playing four square and so on. But, but DET, or the Department of Education, it's one of the trees they don't like. You know, you can't really? pl- you can't plant oaks because people might slip on the on the nuts. You're kidding? No, which is to me a real disappointment. So I do tend to put the odd oak into into schools for longevity. You know, mm. for for mm. the long term. But you just have to be very careful where you put them. You, you mm. can't put them anywhere near where uh, n- anywhere near a path.
1: Anywhere near there are people. So none of yeah, <laughs> anywhere near <laughs> people. Yes. That's right. And as we know, there are not many of them around. No, 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 no. Okay. no. They're all dispensable. I think you've um, struck a bit of a um, Accord with the iron ironbarks, Evan So we're going to go to uh, Sharon in Cheltenham Good morning, Sharon
6: uh, Good morning um, Yes, we've planted one and it's doing well Except they are eaten by possums very badly
2: Really? I haven't experienced that yeah. That's a now, shame
6: what, I, what we've found We've had um, a situation with three of them Not all ours But um, the key is not to have another tree nearby
2: mm. So they can't jump from one to yeah. the other yeah we
6: have to keep cutting um branches off our um um flowering gum because they leap across really yeah oh, that, that's, and that's and fascinating the council put one in the park and that got completely killed by um possums once again
2: so um, you mean that they become defoliated
6: they love the leaves,
2: yes. Because I know um, now uh, Roger might be listening and might ring up and tell me what it is. But no, way, know, he's in Sicily. Oh, he's right. A, he's, oh that's <laughs> so right, he's safe, in Evan. Sicily. All right. <laughs> now there there is some sort of insect um, that uh, preys on iron barks and yeah. they will defoliate oh, the sawfly, them.
1: Sawfly, the steel blue sawfly. Is that what it is? Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. And they will defoliate them um, in over over a few weeks. And there's, I drive past a group of uh, ironbarks that are in a pretty tough growing conditions on the northern side of the Monash Freeway right near um, Warrigal Road. Oh, there's yeah. a group there.
6: Oh, I think I've seen those. Yeah.
2: Now, every year, pretty much, they get massacred and are pretty much defoliated. It's not possums. It's like a sawfly, is mm, it? Um, possibly, yeah. The yeah. steel blue sawfly. And, and, and then they recover. And off they go again.
6: I think it's definitely possums, though, because we put a band around ours and it's, they stopped, stopped it straight yeah. away. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is
1: a possum, you know, mm. that's that's their natural food, mm. eucalyptus. Yeah. 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 That
6: does seem to be the trap that we sort of plant too closely together and then they can jump across. Like, mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's a mistake. I make all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> well, trees grow, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yes. other thing I was going to say, a few years ago, we had a holiday up around Heathcote National Park up there. Mm. The iron bugs we were just enthralled with them. They are beautiful.
2: Yes. Mm. Yeah, they have quite a wide range. They're in all the sort of gold areas. Yeah. I guess that's the soil because we we were uh, down around uh, Lake Glen Maggie. Recently, And oh, there's yeah. some mountain bike tracks yeah. around there. And you go through patches of um, quartz-type soil, and there's ironbarks.
6: Mm. I know. They're, they're the most beautiful flower, too. They're mm. a lovely tree.
2: They are a lovely tree. Yeah, the, 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 the one that's commonly grown in nurseries has the uh, variety name of rosea. Yeah. Uh, which is the the, 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 the yeah one. the pink flowered one and, and it is stunning. Mm. It really mm. is stunning. Yeah. Mm.
3: Probably more um, so because it's really standing out against that black trunk.
2: Yeah, and the and the grey leaves. The grey, yeah, 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 true. And the leaves tend to hang as well. They're very distinctive. Yes, yeah.
6: mm. yeah. I was down at Ricketts Point this morning, and the um, indigenous planting there with all the different grey greens and bright greens is. Really a lovely site. they does mm. very well there with um, the Indigenous plants. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. There. I love the different greens.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you need to work with when you're doing garden design. You're looking at the, at the different greens. And it's one of the challenges of doing schools and secondary colleges and, uh, colleges and so on is making sure that you don't end up with a very grey school. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of the old schools are. You know, the schools Mm -hmm. that were planted in the 60s and so on. Because, you know, a lot of um, natives were used that have that grey tone. Yeah. And it's not very welcoming. Whereas you go into some of the more sort of private schools, I suppose, where it's more common to sort of have broadleafed trees Mm. and it's green Mm. and it's cooler Mm. Mm. or feels cooler, appears cooler. Mm. I don't know what it is, but there is something about that. So it is important when you're planting native gardens, I think, to really concentrate on the greens Mm. and not get sucked into planting too much grey green. Mm. Yes, Um. (coughs)
6: it's very complementary. And then there's Mm. the... um, bush, the cushion bush with its sort of yellowy flowers and it's really quite lovely mm. mm.
1: yeah. mm. Alright, thank you very much thank good, you. good on you Sharon, nice to chat Bye for now Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, continuing the discussion about uh, eucalyptus uh, Anne from Oak Park Hi Anne
7: Oh uh, hello, uh, I've lived in Oak Park for about 22 years and my next door neighbour has on her property at the front She has a beautiful tall ghost gum tree and to the side near the fence, she's got two more beautiful ghost gum trees and she's got one at the back. Now, these trees are huge in height. Uh, I never worried about one of them falling onto my property because they never ever have and we get some pretty toad storms. Mm. up here sometimes. But um, all that's happened is occasionally a very small branch might come down. Mm. Now, these trees are a haven for the birds and the wildlife. I phoned up Moorland Council to try to get them protected under Heritage Victoria, and they stopped short of being able to do that but they did say, after my neighbour sold her property recently, they did say that uh, you can't tell private property people not to chop trees down, and I don't want him developing at the expense of the tall goat scum. because there's a property near my sister's at Blackburn South they had two giant gum trees, ghost gums, like the ones I'm talking about. And they actually left the trees there, the two trees, and they built the units behind the trees, and it looks very really nice now. So you don't always have to go berserk with chainsaws. Mm. And I wanted to know, how can I start up a group called Save A Tree? Because recently, in Glenroy, recently one of the most beautiful elm trees was hacked down and it's no longer there and it's broken my heart and I want to know how can you go about saving trees on private property?
1: And what did the uh, council say to you when you tried to get them registered?
7: Uh, they just said it wasn't my property And they said they would keep an eye out for it and try to make sure that if they do develop next door that they do so, not at the expense of the trees. The council has verbally said that, but whether they keep their word or not, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is, and they, I mean, Evan, you would probably know this. I mean, people, developers do need permission to remove trees. Um, but as is so often the case, they tend to um, remove and then mm. pay the fine that mm. comes with it. Um, so, you know, if you're in the trees in your area are particularly old and large, you could um, contact maybe Heritage Australia and see if they would um, potentially come out and put them on the the Heritage Tree Registry. These
7: are beautiful trees. I don't know how tall they are, but they are very, very tall and very lovely and long established.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And yep. do you know if there's talk of pulling them down?
7: No, I haven't seen the new
1: owner yet. I haven't seen him at all. Right, Evan, do you know? Well, there's a whole,
2: there's a whole set of criteria yeah, as to yeah. what what would um, uh, when you can and ju- can't pull down a yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, and also you know to judge whether it's of significance or not. So whether it has heritage significance or whether it's a, a rare um, particular species in Melbourne, for example, or, you know, or, or it's a great example of one, or it, um, it uh, adds to the streetscape. There's all sorts of criteria that are looked into mm. um, in order to for a council to say, well, no, you can't cut that down. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a really vexed issue. It's a really difficult thing mm. um, to know to know how to how to go about it. I mean, if, and unless they're if, if they're, they're probably lemon-scented gums, I, I suspect. Um, and the, the there are a lot of examples of lemon-scented gums in Melbourne, so it, it, they they may be important in locally, um, but it really comes down to the council and what the overlays are. In, in that area, um, with so much development going on in Melbourne, you know some areas end up with a development overlay where you can essentially cut anything down. So it just depends on on um, mm. on the council, on the area, what the long term plans are for the area. It's really difficult. I I know I've recently um, I have a school to do some work on, um, and I saw the arb report and there were twenty six. I won't say what sort of trees. I don't want to identify the school. <laughs> the 20, twenty-six very large trees, and um, the building proposed is essentially going over the top of those trees, and I, I just I find that a little bit disturbing that um, we can't design buildings. Around the trees, a little bit better. Mm. Um, whereas there seems to be just this carte blanche, well, we need a building. That's our space. Let's put it there. Um, it's very different in Japan. I was in Japan in January. Mm. I was wandering around Kyoto aimlessly. Um, and I ended up in a university of design. There was, mm. and I saw, saw this site. I thought, oh, it'll be cool. Go in there and have a bit of a look around. Um, it goes that Kyoto is in, in a bowl. Um, like a like a crater, and this um, university was built on the side, going up it had some fairly new buildings on it, and um, it had a, a concrete staircase that was probably eighty meters long. It went straight up you know uh, up the side of the hill to get to different classroom areas and They had suspended this concrete slab and they had left the um, Japanese cypress pines coming through it,
4: mm.
2: that like just holes mm. in the in the concrete mm. staircase mm. where you could lose your foot, mm. put your foot down <laughs> yeah. and, and fall down or um, come down and bump into the tree. But they don't care about that. What they care about is the fact that they're the going to keep the tree. Yeah. Mm. So they've built around these trees, which I find fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we have completely the opposite of... Um, we have the complete opposite uh, way of looking at things here. It's how can we get rid of the trees? Yeah. If, if, you've, if you've bought a property that, that you might want to develop in 10 or 15 years, what do you do? You cut the trees down. Yeah. First mm. up. Mm. I know. Mm. It's really as soon sad. as you buy yeah.
1: it. Yeah. So, and maybe you, you, you could go and have a chat with the new owner or something and, and firstly let them know how much you love the tree.
7: I'll see what I can do, and also, I won't give up on my savour tree, a little scheme that I'm trying to develop to save trees on private property. And on my own property, I've actually got an oak tree about five foot high, growing right beside a bottle brush. If you cut one down, you kill the other, so I have to leave it as it is. Yeah. But it
1: looks quite nice, and the birds love my property. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's just the thing, isn't it? Uh, The native trees, they're, um, they're fantastic for wildlife. Yes. Yeah.
2: Thanks, Anne.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Good on you, Anne. Thanks a lot for that. Yeah, I I mean it's true. And by planting native trees, we're privileging our native animals. Eucalypts, they're the hollow-forming trees, and you know hundreds of our different animals. You know, not just uh, the birds, but mammals and insects and reptiles use the hollows Mm. that form in eucalypts. And by planting, you know, willows and pines and other um, non-hollow-creating trees, in a sense, we're privileging the um, the exotic fauna. Mm. At, at the expense mm. of our of our native fauna yeah. so but but well, I mean it's a really good point you were making in in that uh, story about um, Japan that they have so much appreciation for their tree that it's just like well mm. people you know get with the program here mm. you might trip over you might fall in a hole but hey we're preserving our tree yeah it's
2: such a it's such a different mindset yeah. mm.
3: there. it's very
2: I mean, beautiful their um, revering of nature over there it it's really, really lovely yeah, yeah. you you go so in the imperial palace um there there was a tree there that was being propped up in I the car park. You know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they they prop up Beautiful. trees in the most extraordinary spots, and mm. they'll take up car spaces to do it. Mm. Whereas mm. here, it's all about the car spaces. Yeah. How many car spaces mm. yeah. can we get? Mm. But they'll put up these massive treated pine log structures to hold to trees tree. up. Yeah. Mm. Uh, obviously, for extended periods of time. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, which is just, just such. Whereas we we would cut it down. Yeah. If if an arborist comes in and says oh that's a risk, boom, it's gone. Mm,
1: yeah, and if it gets in our way.
2: Yeah, if it gets mm, in our yeah. way, that's right. <laughs> mm,
4: mm. Yeah, <laughs> so know, the
3: branch. Uh, or yeah, they would just lock the branch off. But yeah, they'll yeah. keep these long, long, long extended branches going out to goodness knows where. Mm. Yeah. Oh no, we've got to support that venerable tree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. It's a completely different mindset. Different mindset. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And,
1: and look, someone's r- rung in on the outside line. And it's sort of a two-part question. Um, So the first part is, are liquid amber trees good for the garden? But before (laughs) we get to that one, um, they've rung in and they've wanted to know, she was told that oak leaves are great for the garden but not liquid amber leaves. So I think we're more talking about using the leaves as mulch as Mm, opposed to liquid mm. amber trees specifically being good in a garden. Well, um, all leaves are
2: good for the garden, uh, mulched up. Mm. And in fact, I was talking to an arborist the other day, about uh, oaks, um, because on this site that Sonia's um, developing for for the um, vision therapy, there's, um, there's two beautiful oak trees, of which we're keeping, um, a red oak and a pin oak. Um, mind you, it's in a development zone. We could cut them down if we wanted to, mm-hmm. but we're keeping them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying that um, if you do stress a tree, an oak tree, the best thing you can do is find lots and lots of oak leaves mm. and mulch them up and use that as the mulch mm. around the trees mm. where the roots are not being disturbed. Now, I'm not quite sure uh, what it is, that, that, mm. but, but perhaps there's some sort of chemical in the leaves mm. that if it's put onto the soil, in, as it would be in its natural habitat... It Mm. it helps some sort of fungi or or mycorrhizal activity. I'm not quite mm. sure what it is, and I'm not sure how well researched it is. But I thought it was a very interesting concept. Mm. Um, But certainly leaves make the best mulch. Um, if you have mm. a small mulcher or even a mower, like my father goes out to the back lane at his place with his mower every year and mows up and down the back lane to because there's an oak tree next door that drops mm. d- drops them into the... And then he takes them in and puts them into his compost because they're just they're fabulous. Mm. The only problem is you've got to break them up because otherwise they blow around forever in yeah, yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah. And that's why people don't like oaks. Yeah. But liquid ambers are a very soft leaf. They... They break they up break very, down very quickly. So I think yeah. the answer is yes to liquid amber. Mm-hmm. the box. yes. Now,
1: we've got the discussion going about the eucalypts, which is lovely, and uh, Michael from Forest Hill has rung in, and he recommends the spotted gum, and um, if anyone wants to check out an example, there's uh, a good example at Forest Hill Chase Car Park. And Yeah, yeah the spotted gums are gorgeous,
2: yeah, aren't they? Yeah, there's lots of good... for. Um, uh, Spotted gums around Forest Hill. Yeah. Lots of good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Great tree, very adaptable.
3: Around the inner city as well. They're, um, I mean, because they don't have very big side limbs, essentially, as we know. So. Yeah. They don't tend to drop so much so people like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Councils love it. They, they, they're a very popular street tree now, yeah. and mm. you see them being planted a lot. Yeah. As opposed to lemon-scented gums, which do tend to drop that sort of inch-size mm. branch yes. a little bit. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, Which is a shame because they're spectacular. They're beautiful, but they yeah. smell so gorgeous, so good, of course, yeah. especially
1: after rain. Not that we've had much. Or
2: especially rain. after mowing under them. Yeah, I guess. It's yeah, just yeah. Really
1: yeah. Nice yeah. All right. Well, we should go to uh, Jill in East Brighton. Good morning, Jill. Good
0: morning, good morning, panel. Um, great show. I, yes, I was just thinking about the, the heritage issue with trees, and um, one of the things that occurs to me is um, that trees that have been granted so any form of protection ought to automatically have a plaque attached to them. Because I had a, hmm. one of my uh, my old school friends uh, worked hard to get uh, in, uh, in the house behind her given um, heritage status. This was in Fairfield. It wasn't a native tree. It was, I can't remember what kind of pine it was, but it was rare and very old and beautiful. Um, Anyway, uh, so, yes, that was all done. And then a few years later, she just happened to be in the back garden and she heard a chainsaw start up. Mm. And being the very alert person she was, she flew to the back fence and said, you know, stop everything, stop everything. You know, this is a heritage tree. And... uh, It was a a group of, you know, um, apartments had been built on the area, but the tree had been preserved. And somebody had just said, you know, let's get get rid of the tree. And, um, uh, you know, the arborist had no idea that it was a heritage
2: tree.
4: Mm. Mm.
0: And so if she hadn't been home, that tree would have gone.
2: That's mm. mm. a good point. Uh, yeah. they, uh, I guess if they are on the tree register, they would generally have a plaque. But perhaps the next level down, they don't.
0: Yes, I think they don't. Yeah. It certainly, it wasn't in that case. And uh, yes, it, it, a plaque, I think, you know, is just just a really good safety thing. If you've gone to the trouble of, you know, protecting a tree, you want to make sure it. It lasts more than 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I might Mm. make a few plaques of my own and just put them up mm. randomly. Oh, that's a thought. If if the council say no, just make your own
7: plaques. Yeah, exactly. It
2: it may also be a case for um, having a register as you do for dial before you dig. Mm. Mm. maybe there needs to be a dial before you chop down
1: mm. Oh, I'm surprised yes. the arborists didn't yes. know that, that yes. it was registered well, I don't know that mm.
2: they, well, they would have no reason to and they would have yeah. no way of finding out the big either.
0: beautiful tree no that's right and, yeah. and but the other thing too is I think you, know, you always get the odd cowboy or home home chopper mm. who yes. might just, mm. you know, pretend ignorance, but if there's a plaque on the tree, you know, they really can't claim that they didn't know. Mm.
1: No. Yeah, no, that's uh, a really mm. good point, Jill. Bigger mm. fines anyway, for yeah. people Thanks, who Jill. chop them no, down, maybe. Good, good <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> well, anyway,
0: yes, I, I had no idea who I'd put that, that thought to. Um, do you have any idea? you
2: better go to Greg Moore's. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure. It's, in fact, it says up there that one Greg Moore pass is now available due to a, a winner, winner cancellation. cancellation. There you go. The Greg, sorry, what was that? The Greg,
1: I, I, the Greg Moore talk. There's a Greg Moore talk at uh, Ripon Lee this Wednesday.
0: Oh, okay. Look, I I, I slipped in this morning, so you've obviously discussed this earlier. <laughs> well, Sorry. well,
1: there's there's actually a free double pass. So if you uh, ring Doug on nine four one nine zero one double five, if you oh, really quick so nine four one nine zero one double five. Oh yes. Oh, you mean the the three C R number? Correct. Yes,
0: yes, which is what I just, yeah, okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look,
0: look, thank you very much. Oh, I don't think I'm going to be in Melbourne on Wednesday ah, night. Okay. Um, oh, what a shame. Yes, so anyway, he's talking about, about. Well, he's talking about trees
1: generally, and he has a um, extensive knowledge about trees and heritage trees, etc. Oh,
0: right, and uh, of course, yes, and Ripley's very handy to me. Um, Yes, I'll see what I can do. (laughs) All right, Jill. (laughs) Thanks. Good on you.
1: Nice chat. Bye. 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 All right, and uh, very quickly, let's go to Naomi and Elsmie. Hi, Naomi.
8: Hello. Um, It's very nice to talk to you all. Um, I'd like some advice, please. We have. a new childcare centre going up next door to our property Um, and they're taking away all the trees, but they're allowing us a one and a half metre strip between the fence and their driveway to plant, and it's about five metres long, to plant um, some natives. And I'm wondering what you could suggest, please.
2: Well, um You probably couldn't go past Banksia integrifolia, the coastal Banksia.
8: Yes, um, I have a little one in our garden now. Um, Yes, now we do have possums, but they don't. uh, The possums don't seem to affect it. No. But we'd also like it to be about um, two stories to grow about two stories high.
2: Oh well, Banksia will grow two stories high uh, easily. Right. Yes.
8: what
4: about
3: Callistemon
7: King's Park Special?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of those Callistemons would um, be good. What
7: about Casarina?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Littoralis. Casarina Littoralis yeah. would, be, would be quite good and um, probably even indigenous to there, I would have right.
8: thought. Right, right. I have yeah. seen some near the uh, ra- along the railway line, yeah. so I was wondering if they'd be good because I'd yeah. like to, to still let in um, some of the light into mm. our garden.
2: The, um, other, the other one would be acacia implexa, oh, which good. is quite an upright acacia. Um, it's okay,
3: yes. pr- I'm pruned up. Like, I was just thinking about the 1.5 of the driveway. Like, so
8: I think there's
2: three metres of planting space, isn't there? Is mm. it? Um, oh. Yes,
8: uh, but it's only 1.5 metre um, in depth.
2: Oh, yeah. No, that would be all right. You can be pruned Mm. up. They are Mm. a very narrow tree, Mm -hmm. a bit like the banksias and the casuarinas. They're also narrow. Yes. Um, Yes. If you wanted to go, you know, non indigenous, you could go something like brachychitans. I love brachychitans. Mm. Right. Any of those, the flame tree types?
8: Oh, great. All right. Well, thank you.
2: No worries. um, Running out of time.
8: Good on you, you. Naomi. Well, good luck with those. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye
3: -bye. I was thinking of a small eucalypt like. Forestiana or Torquata or something like that, you know, yeah. prune it well, up and yeah, let it overhang. Yeah, you, I mean, you mention yeah. light coming through, because they sort of give a bit of filter. Yeah, yeah oh, that'd be lovely. The, yeah,
1: the Alicastirina <coughs> will let that light in. Mm. Mm. But uh, look, we have reached that time, and uh, so that is all for now. I'd like to thank uh, Doug and Liz for um, being on the phones this morning. And thanks to Evan and Karen for sharing your knowledge. And thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is Ab Bishop, and we'll be here again at the same time next week. So until then, I've got a little riddle to keep you occupied. Uh, What plant does everybody have on their face? Bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.